chapters one and two of the pawn's count this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Weiss. The Pawn's Count by E. Phillips Oppenheim. Chapter One. Forward. I am for England, and England only, John Lutchester, the Englishman, asserted. I am for Japan, and Japan only, Nikasti, the Jap, insisted. I am for Germany first, and America afterwards, Oscar Fischer, the German-American, pronounced. I am for America first, America only, America always, Pamela Van Tail, the American girl, declared. They were all right, except the German-American. Chapter One Mais faites-vous, taisez-vous, les oreilles en aimez vous et coup. The usual little crowd was waiting in the lobby of a fashionable London restaurant a few minutes before the popular luncheon hour. Pamela Van Tail, a very beautiful American girl, dressed in the extreme of fashion, which she seemed somehow to justify, directed the attention of her companions to the notice affixed to the wall facing them. Except, she declared, for you poor dears who have been hurt, that is the first thing I have seen in England which makes me realize that you are at war. The younger of her two escorts, Captain Richard Holderness, who wore the uniform of a well-known cavalry regiment, glanced at the notice a little impatiently. "'What rot it seems!' he exclaimed. "'We get fed up with that sort of thing in France. It's always the same at every little railway station and every little inn. Mefez-vous, taisez-vous. They might spare us over here.' John Lutchester, a tall, clean-shaven man, dressed in civilian clothes, raised his eyeglass and read out the notice languidly. "'Well, I don't know,' he observed. Some of you service fellows, not the regulars, of course, do gas a good deal when you come back. I don't suppose you, any of you, know anything, so it doesn't really matter, he added, glancing at his watch. Armies full of Johnnies who come from God knows where nowadays, Holderness ascended gloomily. No wonder they can't keep their mouths shut. Seems to me you need them all, Miss Pamela Van Tail remarked with a smile. Of course we do, Holderness ascended and heaven forbid that any of us regulars should say a word against them. Jolly good stuff in them, too, as the Germans found out last month. All the same, Lutchester continued, still studying the notice, news does run over London like quicksilver. If you step down to the American bar here, for instance, you'll find that Charles is one of the best-informed men about the war in London. He has patrons in the Army, in the Navy, and in the Flying Corps and it's astonishing how communicative they seem to become after the second or third cocktail. Cocktail, mark you, Miss Van Tail, the Holderness pointed out. We poor Englishmen could keep our tongues from wagging before we acquired some of your American habits. The habits are all right, Pamela retorted. It's your heads that are wrong. The most valued product of our country, Lutchester murmured, is more dangerous to our hearts than to our heads. She made a little grimace and turned away, holding out her hand to a new arrival, a tall, broad-shouldered man with a strong, cold face and keen gray eyes, aggressive even behind his gold-rimmed spectacles. There was a queer change in his face as his eyes met Pamela's. He seemed suddenly to become more human. His pleasure at seeing her was certainly more than the usual transatlantic politeness. "'Mr. Fisher!' she exclaimed. "'They are saying hard things about our country.' 
please protect me he bowed over her fingers then he looked up his tone was impressive if i thought that you needed protection miss van tail well i can assure you that i do she interrupted laughing you know my friends don't you i think i have had that pleasure the american replied shaking hands with lechester and holderness now we'll get an independent opinion the former observed pointing to the wall we were discussing that notice mr fisher you're almost as much a londoner as a new yorker what do you think is it superfluous or not fisher read it out and smiled well he admitted in america we don't lay much store by that sort of thing but i don't know as we're very good judges about what goes on over here i shouldn't call this place anyway a hotbed of intrigue excuse me he moved off to greet some incoming guests a well-known stockbroker and his partner lochester looked after him curiously is mr fisher one of your typical millionaires miss van tail he asked she shrugged her shoulders we have no typical millionaires she assured him they come from all classes and all states fisher is a westerner isn't he pamela nodded but did not pursue the conversation her eyes were fixed upon a girl who had just entered and who was looking a little doubtfully around a girl plainly but smartly dressed with fluffy light hair dark eyes and a very pleasant expression pamela who was critical of her own sex found the newcomer attractive is that by any chance one of our missing guests captain holderness she inquired turning towards him i don't know why but i have an idea that it is your sister by jove yes the young man assented stepping forward here we are molly and at last you are going to meet miss van tail i've bored molly stiff talking about you he explained as pamela held out her hand the girls who stood talking together for a moment presented rather a striking contrast molly holderness was pretty but usual pamela was beautiful and unusual she had the long slim body of a new york girl the complexion and eyes of a southerner the savoir-faire of a frenchwoman she was extraordinarily cosmopolitan and yet extraordinarily american she impressed everyone as she did molly holderness at that moment with a sense of charm one could almost accept as truth her own statement that she valued her looks chiefly because they helped people to forget that she had brains i won't admit that i have ever been bored miss van tail molly holderness assured her but dick has certainly told me all sorts of wonderful things about you how kind you were in new york and what a delightful surprise it was to see you down at the hospital at nice i am afraid he must have been a terrible crock then not well in no time as soon as miss van tail came along holderness declared it was a bit dreary down there at first none of my lot were sent south and a familiar face means a good deal when you've got your lungs full of that rotten gas and are feeling like nothing on earth i wonder where that idiot sandy is i told him to be here a quarter of an hour before you others thought we might have had a quiet chat first will you stand by the girls for a moment lutchester while i have a look round he added he hobbled away one of the thousands who were thronging the streets and public places of london brave simple-minded young men all of them with tangled recollections in their brains of blood and fire and hell and a game leg or a lost arm to remind them that the whole thing was not a nightmare he looked a little disconsolately around and was on the point of rejoining the others when the friend for whom he was searching came hurriedly through the turnstile doors 
sandy old chap holderness exclaimed with an air of relief here you are at last cheerio dick was the light-hearted reply fearfully sorry i'm late but listen just listen for one moment the newcomer threw his hat and coat to the attendant he was a rather short freckled young man with a broad high forehead and light-coloured hair his eyes just now were filled with the enthusiasm which trembled in his tone dick he continued gripping his friend's arm tightly i'm late i know but i've great news i've motored straight up from salisbury plain i've done it i swear to you dick i've done it done what holderness demanded a little bewildered i've perfected my explosive the whole thing i was telling you about last week was the triumphant reply the whole world's struggling for it dick the german chemists have been working night and day for three years just for one little formula and i've got it one of my shells which fell in the wood at daylight this morning killed every living thing within a mile of it the bark fell off the trees and the laborers in a field beyond threw down their implements and ran for their lives it's the principle of intensification the poison feeds on its own vapors the formula i've got it in my pocketbook look here old fellow holderness interrupted it's all splendid of course and i'm dying to hear you talk about it but come along now and be introduced to miss van tail molly's over there waiting and we're all half starved so am i was the cheerful answer hello lutchester how are you just one moment i must get a wash i motored straight through and i'm choked with dust where do i go i'll show you lutchester volunteered hurry up the two men sprang up the stairs towards the dressing-room and holderness strolled back to where his sister and pamela were talking to a small dark young man with rather high cheekbones and olive complexion pamela turned around with a smile i have found an old friend she told him baron sunyer captain holderness baron sunyer used to be in the japanese embassy at washington the two men shook hands i was interested the japanese said slowly in your conversation just now about that notice your young friend was telling you news very loudly indeed it seemed to me which you would not like known across the north sea am i not right in a sense you are of course holderness admitted but here at henry's why the place is like a club where are the enemy's ears to come from i should like to know where we least expect to find them as a rule was the grave reply quite right lutchester who had just rejoined them agreed they still say you know that our home secret service is just as bad as our foreign secret service is good holderness smiled in somewhat superior fashion can't say that i have much faith in that spy talk he declared no doubt there was any quantity of espionage before the war but it's pretty well weeded out now i say how good civilization is he went on his eyes dwelling lovingly on the interior of the restaurant top hole isn't it lutchester these smart girls with their furs and violets and perfumes the little note of music in the distance the cheerful clatter of plates the smiling faces of the waiters and the undercurrent of pleasant voices don't laugh at me please miss van tail i've three weeks more of it by george perhaps more i don't go up before my board till thursday fortnight dash it i wish sandy would hurry up you never told me how you got your wound pamela observed as the conversation flagged for a moment don't even remember was the careless reply we were all scrapping away as hard as we could one afternoon and nearly a dozen of us got the knock all at the same time it's quite all right now though except for the stiffness it was the gas did me in 
what a fellow sandy is you people must be starving they waited for another five minutes then holderness limped towards the stairs with a little imprecation lutchester stopped him don't you go holderness he begged i'll find him and bring him down by the scruff of the neck he strode up the stairs on a mission which ended in unexpected failure presently he returned a slight frown upon his forehead i am awfully sorry he announced but i can't find him anywhere i left him washing his hands and he said he'd be down in a moment are you quite sure that we haven't missed him there hasn't been a sign of him molly declared promptly i am so hungry that my eyes have been glued upon the staircase all the time pamela who had slipped away a few moments before rejoined them with a little expression of surprise isn't captain graham here yet she asked incredulously not a sign of him holderness replied queer set out isn't it we won't wait a moment longer take my sister and miss van tail in will you he went on laying his hand on lutchester's shoulder ferrani will look after you i'll follow directly the chief maitre d'hotel advanced to meet them with a gesture of invitation and led them to a table arranged for five the restaurant was crowded and the colored band from the space against the wall on their left was playing a lively one-step ferrani was buttonholed by an important client as they crossed the threshold and they lingered for a moment waiting for his guidance whilst they stood there a curious thing happened the leader of the orchestra seemed to draw his fingers recklessly across the strings of his instrument and to produce a discord which was most appalling a half-pained half-amused exclamation rippled down the room for a moment the music ceased the conductor who was responsible for the disturbance was sitting motionless his hand hanging down by his side his features remained imperturbable but the gleam of his white teeth and the livid little streak under his eyes gave to his usually good-humoured face an utterly altered almost a malignant expression ferrani stepped across and spoke to him for a moment angrily the man took up his instrument waved his hand and the music recommenced in a subdued note pamela turned to the chief maitre d'hotel who had now rejoined them what an extraordinary breakdown she exclaimed is your leader a man of nerves never have i heard such a thing in all my days ferrani assured them fervently joseph is one of the most wonderful performers in the world his control over his instrument is marvellous captain holderness asked particularly for this table they seated themselves at the table reserved for them against the wall their cicerone was withdrawing with a low bow but pamela leaned over to speak to him your music she told him is quite wonderful the orchestra consists entirely of americans i suppose entirely madame ferrani assented they are real southern darkies from joseph the leader down to little peter who blows the motor horn pamela's interest in the matter remained unabated i tell you it makes one feel almost homesick to hear them play she went on with a little sigh did they come direct from the states ferrani shook his head from paris madame before that for a little time they were at the winter garden in berlin they made quite a european tour of it before they arrived here and he is the leader the man whom you call joseph pamela observed a broad good-humoured face not much intelligence i should imagine ferrani's protest was vigorous and gesticulatory he evidently had ideas of his own concerning joseph more perhaps than you would think madame he declared he knows how to make a bargain believe me 
It cost us more than I would like to tell to get those fellows here. Pamela looked him in the eyes. Be careful, Monsieur Ferrani, she advised, that it does not cost you more to get rid of them. She leaned back in her place, apparently tired of the subject, and Ferrani, a little puzzled, made his bow and withdrew. The music was once more in full swing. Their luncheon was served, and Lutchester did his best to entertain his companions. Their eyes, however, every few seconds, strayed towards the door. There was no sign of the missing guest. End of chapter 1 Chapter 2 Molly Holderness, for whom Graham's absence possessed perhaps more significance than the others, relapsed very soon into a strained and anxious silence. Pamela and Lutchester, on the other hand, divided their attention between a very excellent luncheon and an even flow of personal, almost inquisitorial conversation. "'You will find,' Pamela warned her companion, almost as they took their places, "'that I am a very curious person.' I am more interested in people than in events. Tell me something about your work at the war office. I am not at the war office, he replied. Well, what is it that you do, then? she asked. Captain Holderness told me that you had been out in France fighting, but that you had some sort of official position at home now. I am at the Ministry of Munitions, he explained. Well, tell me about that, then, she suggested. Is it as exciting as fighting? He shook his head. It has advantages, he admitted, but I should scarcely say that excitement figured amongst them. She looked at him thoughtfully. Lutchester was a little over thirty-five years of age, tall and of sinewy bill. His coloring was neutral, his complexion inclined to be pale, his mouth straight and firm, his gray eyes rather deep-set. Without possessing any of the stereotyped qualifications, he was sufficiently good-looking. "'I wonder you didn't prefer soldiering,' she observed. He smiled for a moment, and Pamela felt unreasonably annoyed at the twinkle in his eyes. "'I am not a soldier by profession,' he said, "'but I went out with the expeditionary force and had a year of it. They kept me here after a slight wound to take up my old work again.' "'Your old work,' she repeated. "'I didn't know there was such a thing as a ministry of munitions before the war.' He deliberately changed the conversation, directing Pamela's attention to the crowded condition of the room. "'Gay scene, isn't it?' he remarked. "'Very,' she assented dryly. "'Did you come here to dance?' he inquired. She shook her head. "'You must remember that I have been living in Paris for some months,' she told him. "'You won't be annoyed if I tell you that the way you English people are taking the war simply maddens me. Your young soldiers talk about it as though it were a sort of picnic.' Your middle-aged clubmen seemed to think that it was invented to give them a fresh interest in their newspapers, and the rest of you seem to think of nothing but the money you are making. And Paris, no, I don't think I should care to dance here. Lutchester nodded, but Pamela fancied somehow or other that his attitude was not wholly sympathetic. His tone, with its slight note of admonition, irritated her. You must be careful, he said, not to be too much misled by externals. Pamela opened her lips for a quick reply, but checked herself. Captain Holderness and Ferrani had entered the room and were approaching their table talking earnestly. The latter especially was looking perplexed and anxious. "'It's the queerest thing I ever knew,' Holderness pronounced. "'We've searched every hole and corner upstairs, and there isn't a sign of Sandy.' "'Have you tried the bar?' 
Lutchester inquired. "'Both the bar and the grill-room,' Ferrani assured him. "'If he had been suddenly taken ill,' Molly murmured. "'But there is no place in which he could have been taken ill which we have not searched,' Ferrani reminded her. And besides, Holderness intervened. Sandy was in the very pink of health and bubbling over with high spirits. "'One noticed that,' Lutchester remarked, a little dryly. "'He might almost have been called garrulous,' Pamela agreed. Ferrani took grave leave of them, and Holderness seated himself at the table. "'Well, let's get on with the luncheon anyway,' he advised. "'It's no good bothering. The best thing we can do is to conclude that the impossible has happened, that Sandy has met with some pals and will be here presently.' "'Or possibly,' Lutchester suggested, "'that he has done what certainly seems the most reasonable thing, gone straight off to the war office with his formula and forgotten all about us.' let us return the compliment and forget all about him they finished their luncheon a little more cheerfully as the cigarettes were handed round pamela's eyes looked longingly at a tray of turkish coffee which was passing i'm a rotten host holderness declared but to tell you the truth this queer prank of sandy's has driven everything else out of my mind here hassan the colored man in a gorgeous oriental livery turned at once with a smile he approached the table bowing to each of them in turn pamela watched him intently and as his eyes met hers hassan's hands began to shake the waiter is bringing us ordinary coffee holderness explained please countermand it and bring us turkish coffee for four the man had lost his savoir faire his wonderful smile had turned into something sickly his bland speech of thanks into a mumble he turned away almost sheepishly Hassan doesn't seem to like us today, Molly remarked. I should have said that he was drunk, her brother observed, looking after him curiously. There was certainly something the matter with Hassan, for it was at least a quarter of an hour before he reappeared and served his specially prepared concoction with the usual ceremony, but with more restraint. Molly and the two men, after Hassan had sprinkled the contents of his mysterious little flask into their coffee, gave him their hands for the customary salute. When he came to Pamela he hesitated. She shook her head and he fell back, bowing respectfully, his hand tracing cabalistic signs across his heart. For a moment before he departed he raised his eyes and glanced at her. It was like the mute appeal of some hurt or frightened animal. "'You don't approve of Hassan's little ceremony?' Lutchester asked her. She shrugged her shoulders. "'In America?' she observed i think we look upon colored people of any sort a little differently well we've certainly given your friend a chance she went on glancing at the little jeweled watch upon her wrist we've outstayed almost everyone here their host paid the bill and they strolled reluctantly towards the door holderness and pamela a few steps behind now what are your sister and mr lutchester studying again the latter inquired as they reached the lobby molly had paused once more before the notice on the wall which seemed somehow to have fascinated her she read it out lingering on every word mefez-vous vous les oreilles on aimez vous écoute holderness listened with a frown then he turned suddenly to lutchester who was standing by his side it would be too ridiculous wouldn't it you couldn't in any way connect the idea behind that notice with sandy's disappearance I was wondering about that myself, Lutchester confessed. To tell you the truth, 
I have been wondering all luncheon time. If ever a man broke the letter and the spirit of that simple warning, I should say your excitable young friend, Captain Graham, did. But here at Henry's, Holderness protested, with friends on every side, isn't it a little too ridiculous? We'll wait until the last person is out of the place, anyway, he added. The crowd soon began to thin. Ferrani, seeing them still waiting, approached with a little bow. "'Your friend,' he asked, "'he has not arrived, eh?' "'No sign of him,' Holderness replied gloomily. "'What about his hat and coat?' Ferrani inquired, with a sudden inspiration. "'Great idea,' Holderness assented, turning towards the cloakroom attendant. "'Don't you remember my friend James?' he went on. "'He arrived about half-past one and threw his coat and hat over to you.' The attendant nodded and glanced towards an empty peg. "'I remember him quite well, sir,' he acknowledged. "'Number seventy-six was his number.' "'Where are his things, then?' "'Gone, sir,' the man replied. "'Do you remember his asking for them?' The attendant shook his head. "'Can't say that I do, sir,' he acknowledged. "'But they've gone, right enough.' A party of outgoing guests claimed the man's attention. Holderness turned away. "'This thing is getting on my nerves,' he declared. Does it seem likely that Sandy should chuck his luncheon without a word of explanation, come out and get his coat and hat, and walk off? And besides, where was he all the time we were looking for him? It was unanswerable, inexplicable. They all looked at one another almost helplessly. Pamela held out her hand. Well, she announced, I am sorry, but I'm afraid that I must go. I have a great many things to attend to this afternoon. "'You are going away soon?' Lutchester inquired. She hesitated, and at that moment Mr. Fisher, who had been saying farewell to his guest, turned towards her. "'You are not thinking of the trip home yet, Miss Tail?' he asked. "'Oh, I don't know,' she answered just a little evasively. "'I'm out of humour with London just now.' "'Perhaps we shall be fellow-passengers on Thursday,' he ventured. "'I am going over on the New York.' "'I never make plans,' she told him. In any case, Mr. Fisher continued, I shall anticipate our early meeting in New York. I heard from your brother only yesterday. She looked at him with a slight frown. From James? Mr. Fisher nodded. Why, I didn't know, she observed, that you and he were acquainted. I have had large transactions with his firm, and naturally I have seen a good deal of Mr. Van Tail, the other explained. He looks after the interests of us Western clients. Pamela turned a little abruptly away, and Lutchester walked with her to the door. "'You will let me see that they bring your car round?' he asked. She shook her head. "'Thank you, no,' she replied, holding out her hand. "'I have not yet said good-bye to Captain Holderness and his sister. Good-bye, Mr. Lutchester.' Her farewell was purposely chilly. It seemed as though the slight sparring in which they had indulged throughout luncheon-time had found its culmination in an antipathy which she had no desire to conceal. Lutchester, however, only smiled. Nowadays, he observed, that is a word which it is never necessary to use. She withdrew her hand from his somewhat too tenuous clasp. Something in his manner puzzled as well as irritated her. "'Do you mean that you two are thinking about taking a holiday from your strenuous labors?' she asked. Perhaps America is the safest country in the world just now for an Englishman who she stopped short, realizing the lengths towards which her causeless pique was carrying her. 
prefers departmental work to fighting, were you going to add? he said quietly. Well, perhaps you are right. At any rate, I will content myself by saying au revoir. He passed through the turnstile door and disappeared. Pamela made her adieu to Holderness and his sister, and then, recognizing some acquaintances, turned back into the restaurant to speak to them. Fisher, who had just received his hat and cane from the cloakroom attendant, stood watching her. End of chapter two. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks dot com.